Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Phase zero 39. I cannot believe that we're almost at 40 episodes. That is honestly so crazy. Um, I know it is so awesome. Um, I'm your host, Jenna Anderson for the first half of the show. At the second half of the show, we will be talking to Venom, let there be carnage director, Andy Serkis. So stay tuned for that. There will be full spoilers. I will just warn you now. So if you've not seen that movie, tread lightly in the second half of the show. But um, for the first half today, we have some MCU news and we have our reactions to the season finale of what if, if you couldn't tell, if you're watching live, Jim Viscardi is very excited <laughs> let's go folks yes. i'm just so, excited to be invited back to the show brandon's gone uh, <laughs> i'm your host jenna anderson for the first half i'm joined today by the aforementioned jim viscardi as well as aaron Perrine. hey guys hey, hey guys sorry layla about the spoilers <laughs> um we we will hide like we will mark that it is spoilers so you will you will be warned um just to start things off in terms of news um venom saved the box office i in a move who saw that coming i never would have imagined like if you told me in 2018 when the first venom came out that it's like venom and eddie are going to save cinema i would not have believed you but that is where (laughs) we're at right now um venom let there be carnage had a 90 million dollar opening weekend domestically it outgrossed the first venom which is so crazy um and it had the second best october opening after joker which considering the pandemic and considering everything and just all of the movies that have come out in october that is just bonkers in and of itself it is very surreal that venom is responsible for now resurging the cinema experience i know my showing was almost full which was kind of crazy so it's, it's just great to see um i know now that the movie is out and now that more of us have seen it um i know jim and i both have our thoughts so jim do you want to share your initial reaction to venom too Yeah, I mean, look, this is a movie that is completely driven by its IP, right? Like, this is a movie, like, Venom is in that echelon of characters like Deadpool or whatever, like that is Spider-Man, whatever that will always, that will always make money, right? Venom succeeds because of Venom in the same way Batman succeeds because he's Batman and whatever. And so like, when you add Carnage into that mix, obviously a lot of people get, uh, get excited for that. And uh, so like the box office is surprising in the fact that in really more the amount, I think we all expected this movie to do well because like literally like just because of the aesthetic and, and all of that. This is also a movie that was driven by its post credit scene, right? And so one, when information got out and look, and Sony was smart. They, they held fan screenings. They, when you hold a fan screening, <laughs> You know, there is no holding back secrets from your movie there. And so once that gets out, people want to see it to believe it. And in, you know, and so like, so that's all that also plays a big, big factor in this. All eyes are really going to be on this second week. And I think it's tough because we are getting Bond uh, this week. And so that I'm sure is going to eat into the Venom box office. But, you know, Venom has done pretty well this week. Uh, Like I said, honestly, 
it's going to be one of those things that I think lives or dies by uh, by word of mouth. And we'll also I'm more excited because of the first movie grew exponentially overseas. And it's really going to be, man, an, an interesting ride on on where all of it on all of this goes. The movie <laughs> is a movie, right? Like it's a, <laughs> there are there are aspects of this movie when I watch this movie, you can tell that there is another movie there that I don't think we got to see in the sense that they really push the envelope on the violence in this movie. And, and I, it's one of like almost to the point where you feel like there has to be more, but like they needed to keep a PG 13 rating. So that stuff got left on the cutting room floor. Will we ever find out if that is true or not? Uh, maybe who knows, but but it's just it's just, it's been a really interesting thing to see, right? Like this is again, you know, a movie that is is really truly driven by its fan base. Uh, those who, if you're, the, and we said this going in, right? If you loved Venom, the first Venom, you're gonna you were going to like Venom. Let there be carnage, and that has paid off, you know, basically in spades. And again, Venom's one of those movies again, like we've talked about, that has kind of grown in popularity in the years since. More people have watched it, and they go. Oh, this actually isn't as bad as uh, as I remember, or or whatever. But like, honestly, though, too, I, I don't think enough can be said about Tom Hardy and his his portrayal of this role, and and really kind of owning that, like that relationship between uh, Eddie and the symbiote is is truly a magical one. Uh, I just you know wish we got a, a, a little bit of a, a better film with it, but I mean, I was entertained, and look. That's all you can really ask for in these days. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> Sorry, agree that was completely. A very long answer. <laughs> no, that was perfect. Um, I agree completely. I also think the box office is so interesting because this movie was so short compared to a lot of the other movies that we've had in this kind of post-COVID area era. I think having it be just over ninety minutes probably helped a lot in the box office being what it is because it's less of a commitment to go sit there and watch it. Um, I the best compliment I can give this movie is that it feels like reading a 90s comic book. It gets sure the it gets the decadence and the maximalism and the just kind of throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks and it doesn't always work and it might age a little poorly, but you still have to commend it for just doing so much and doing it in this way that is kind of very passionate. I agree with you. Like Tom Hardy's take on Venom, I feel like will become it, it, at some point it will join the pantheon of like these are the perfect comic book movie portrayals because the commitment that he brings to this character is absolutely absurd like there is no reason for him to care this much but the fact that he does and that he's improvising scenes and writing the script and getting a story credit is just really incredible to see so i i enjoyed the movie purely in the sense of like just being able to sit there and enjoy it in all of its absurdity i thought that that was just really fun it is not a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination but it's one of those things where i can't help but admire it for what it's trying to do I will say I did like they did do a better job with the opposing symbiote in this movie than they did with the other one. Right. Carnage is one that, man, if you mess that one up, there is no there's no coming back from that. And I think, uh, you know, and in the first one, Riot is a is a is a tough, uh, a tough one to do. Um, Mm -hmm. But. Man, I think I thought they they nailed the look of Carnage, the 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 carnage of Carnage, uh, you know, all really, really well. I still can't get that like tongue down the throat. Scene out of my <laughs> I know it's it so is. much. Every time I see that, that <laughs> gif on Twitter, I'm just like, Whoa. 
<laughs> yeah, I completely agree. Um, but yeah, so that's our initial thoughts on Venom 2. Obviously, if you want more, the back half of the show will have you covered with Andy Serkis. Um, in other Marvel-related news, uh, Black Widow is now streaming for everybody on Disney Plus today, um, which is an awesome thing. And it is perfect timing because late last week in the post credit scene of Phase Zero of last week, in Aaron's words, the Scarlett Johansson lawsuit got resolved between Scarlett and Disney. Um, it is reportedly for more than $40 million. And ScarJo had a quote, which was, quote, I'm happy to have resolved our differences with Disney. I'm incredibly proud of the work we've done together over the years and have greatly enjoyed my creative relationship with the team. I look forward to continuing our collaboration in the years to come. So for anyone who wanted to really see her Tower of Terror movie, we now know that's going to happen, most likely, mm -hmm. because of this deal. And everything's just also resolved. We have all of that that mess of the lawsuit over. So what yeah. are you guys' thought on it? And like, look, she's and like, I like, and I'm glad that it ha you know it resolved in that way because when you look at what the box office take was for for Shang Chi, and then obviously you see how successful uh, Venom was, that there's a good chance that Black Widow would have been just as successful, if not more, had it had gone to had it had gone to theatrical. And so, um, so it's good to see. Mm -hmm. Aaron, what do you think? Uh, I always thought it would get resolved, you know, like yeah. at some point there was too much money and too much, <laughs> too many things at play for this not to get resolved as evidenced by the end of what if this week, she yeah. is clearly still a major part of the MCU. They're not like pushing her aside in any mm -hmm. way. I feel like we will see her at some point down the road again. It's just a matter of when, like most of the original Avengers. So it's nice we get out here now. Give us the trailer to Tower of Terror. <laughs> I had to figure that out. <laughs> I agree. Um, Jim, do you want to talk about the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special news? Yeah. So, you know, James, we love James Gunn, always responding to fans uh, on Twitter, and they always reveal some of the, the strangest, uh, you know, bits of news. So in that, you know, basically, you know, he said, he goes, in my incredibly subjective and admittedly often odd opinion, we'll be introducing one of the greatest MCU characters of all time. And so obviously that sent fans you know, going down a rabbit hole of, is it going to be Nova? Is it going to be so-and-so? I have a theory for you. I think it's, I think it's going to be Santa Claus. I was and just James, about to say that. Yeah. And James Gunn is going to be the one to introduce mutants into the MCU. Mm -hmm. I'm Santa in Claus. the same theory. I, in a perfect world, it would be Santa Claus played by Mark Hamill. Cause I know oh. we've like oh, dreamed man, of having, would be amazing. it would be so cool. And knowing that the holiday special will pay homage to the star Wars one. It's like, you kind of, there's a way to bring Mark Hamill into that in a way that could be very self-aware and very funny. And just seeing Mark Hamill as an Omega level mutant Santa Claus feels like <laughs> the most James Gunn thing to do. So that I'm completely in agreement with there. That's my theory. Yeah. Aaron, what do you oh. think? Um, I knew that it would be like a, like a, some sort of weird pull. The Santa Claus thing seems like a pretty, pretty safe bet. I think yeah, you guys are really onto something there. Yeah, I, 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 I love the idea. And I really hope I didn't like spoil it for myself and anyone else <laughs> by saying that. But uh -huh. like, it's just such a, like, just because we know James is such a love, like, has such a love for the comics is just mm -hmm. something, something else. Yeah. Sorry, Aaron. I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> Oh, it's it's all right. I I usually when James Gunn says something weird like that, I just go and knock on Adam's door and be like, <laughs> take something from the weird compendium of like cosmic Marvel stuff. And what do you think it's gonna be? Mm -hmm. So I will go ahead and I will ask him, and we will report back next week. I'm sure there's some sort of weird thing where he's like, this is how it's gonna go. 
I will just um, say if, if Brandon were here, he would be talking about how it would be Nova for like 30 minutes. So, um, but yeah, I'm going to stay to the Santa theory. I think that that would be awesome. Um, Aaron, do you want to talk about the blade news or not news of the past <laughs> week? Oh, sure. So every once in a while, when I log on to uh, start my day here at comicbook.com, there's something already waiting for me when I get it, get into saying hello to everybody and get a little bit of caffeine in me. And Marvel India posted a graphic was that yesterday, Jim? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like for, it was like first. It happened. It happened like obviously overnight because India's you know x hours ahead of us. But but yeah, everyone found it like first thing in the morning. First thing in the morning, they posted a graphic that incorrectly I should preface yes. incorrectly yes. showed that Blade was scheduled for a release on October 7th, 2022 between Black Panther, Wakanda Forever and the Marvels. And then it threw Marvel Twitter into a tailspin because we do not have a release date for Blade and finding it out on some random Marvel proprietary Twitter account would be very, very strange, but very on brand for how wild all the, the different projects have been so far. So, Blade's not coming out on the, uh, October the 7th, but do we think that it is going to be that close or like that soon? Because the slate's real full. The slate's real, real packed. I I think we'll wait until 23. It's the thing of like, they would have had to have started production already. And I don't see them secretly right. starting production completely under our noses when this movie has a director and a single cast member. So that would be kind of a secret. <laughs> And they have so many other things literally in production right now that yeah. like, you know, their teams are only so big uh, that, you know, there's, there's, I mean, look, I mean, we know a prod, a project just wrapped. My boy we're we're going to get to that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute, but yeah. <laughs> they just freed up some resources. They could start. Mm-hmm. I mean, Stacy's working on the scripts. Uh, yeah. She worked on yeah, Washington. So, but yeah. I, I don't think that they filmed this entire thing under the cover of night. Although <laughs> there, nothing about the whole blade thing has made sense anyway. We're like, yeah. Feige just came. Well, it seems like 86 years ago was like, hey, Marshall, <laughs> get up here. And then here's a hat. And none of us know. We're just like, oh, I guess blade's okay. happening. Sure. Mm-hmm. Fine. But yeah, I think it's probably going to be either 23 or 24. You got Moon Knight. You got Miss Marvel. You've got other assumed projects that we're going to talk about later that might turn up. Yeah. <laughs> Jim, do you want to talk about Moon Knight? I mean, it wrapped. So that means Disney Investor Days right around the corner could mean any number of things. I'm really hoping that we get a first look or, or something. Uh, I would imagine we'll probably get we may get a confirmation of maybe who Ethan Hawke is playing or something like that. Uh, like I said, I mean, look, I am like, I know we all saw the, the, the concept art that may or may not be real kind of thing. Um, I would love to see it in an, in an official capacity, even if it was like, I think when they announced or one of the first things they showed of Captain Marvel, I think was one of the, the folks in the visual development department. I can't remember which one. So I'm, so I'm sorry. I don't know if it was Andy Park or, um, or Ryan, but like, was just the, you know, Captain Marvel in costume as concept art. I'm totally okay with that. I don't need to see Oscar Isaac walk out in costume. That's totally fine. Uh, like just, just something like that, I think just will, would go, go a long way. I think now they're, they're ready to start 
dripping some of that stuff out, knowing that Disney Plus Day is coming. They, they're going to want to push that subscription service, and what a way to you know get people to to sign up to letting them know one of the best show, uh, one of their future best shows is about to uh, be on the horizon. Yeah, I completely agree. I feel like the Disney Plus Day special, like if anything, we'll just get really good concept art for She-Hulk and Moon Knight and those kind of like 20, 22 shows. I almost said 23, time is an illusion. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I, I'm excited just to see whatever we get and knowing that they've wrapped is is exciting. So um, Aaron, what do you think about the Moon Knight news of the week? Um, I, You know, I, I like <laughs> that there are some projects that we do not know That's true. everything about and that we haven't mm-hmm. seen a bunch of the stuff about although there are those, those Od- pictures oddly enough it's mostly them. it's mostly the disney plus shows that are uh-huh. that have like the most kept secrets yeah or the best kept secrets at least so i'm for that yeah, exactly. And so like that's sort of refreshing and cool because we just yeah. don't know what to expect, which is like, really, really nice. Like, I mean, when the Hawkeye trailer came out, I literally had like, ah, it should be fine. I'm going to watch it because <laughs> we have to cover it here. But I don't have any real investment. And by the time we got to the end of like, you know, a little two minutes, I was like, oh, let's go. Yeah. I would die for Lucky. I would die yeah. for him. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's I, I'm excited. I mm-hmm. And I, I'm not. I'm going to rely on Jenna and Jim explaining more of Moon Knight's lore to me as we go along because it's not something I've delved into a ton. Like, I think the first time I ever heard of it was like in those Marvel's Legends games, Mm. like the ones that play like Ultimo Diablo. And I was like, oh, this dude looks cool. Let's see what he's doing. But I'm so this is all great. I don't know. Awesome. Um, Uh, Yeah. Do you want to talk about the other TV news that may or may not be true? <laughs> okay, so it happened again. Like the same thing. We just rewind <laughs> back to where I was when I talked about. Oh boy, there might we might be getting Blade. I woke up two two days ago, and they were like, "Yo, we think that Daredevil is getting a Disney Plus show." That comes from Daniel Rickman's Patreon. It hints that there might be a new solo Daredevil project, but would see some of the cast members from the Netflix show returning. And I know once again, Adam and, and his tribe <laughs> bring back Daredevil are very very Daredevil. Save, hashtag save Daredevil. Very excited. Charlie Cox's wonderful, wonderful forearms can be on your TV screens (laughs) at some point in the future. Um, I think that we are probably headed towards this, although it's not going to be the kind of reboot that the fans probably would have wanted. But I guess getting some of the elements back is better than nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in agreement. As long as it's some sort of like soft reboot. And it's also the thing of just, I'm excited at the idea of seeing Charlie Cox and all of these other characters from the show interact with the larger MCU. So if we have to change their canon slightly in order to make that happen, like that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make because I think it'll just be so much fun to see like Kingpin and Daredevil and all these other elements like in the larger sandbox. Jim, Oh, go, go ahead, Jim. Yeah, I mean, look, I think, like, you know, if the rumor, if the rumors are true, it looks like that they're already going to be seeding to that, right? And so, like, so it would make total sense, right? It was one of Daredevil was one of Netflix's biggest hits, so why wouldn't Disney Plus, you know, why wouldn't Disney want more of that? Now, like I said, like it'll be interesting to see what they do with the tone because Netflix had a very distinctive tone, but there are plenty of other daredevil stories that are not necessarily that tone or there are other ways like we know how dark disney uh, you know disney is willing to go we saw it in falcon and winter soldier we've seen it you know in bits and pieces here and there and so so i'm hoping we get 
a bit more of a mix there uh, if it ever comes to fruition than than we maybe have gotten in the past. But uh, I mean, look, I there's I would love to see uh, more Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones, and and I would love to see more uh, Mike Coulter as Luke Cage. I mean, those were they were great performances, um, and I think though you know that crew deserves another chance uh, for the limelight. I completely agree. So before we get into the Andy Circus interview, the What If finale debuted today, and obviously there's a lot to talk about. So Aaron, you're at the top of the board. So why don't you share your reactions? Richard, um, give us a give us a spoiler uh, a spoiler yeah, banner, just spoiler, warning, spoiler warning. Spoiler okay. <laughs> warning. <laughs> um, so I I enjoyed it. Um, I guess I was not expecting it to resolve so cleanly. Um, it was very, very interesting that it resolved like, oh, and this set of stories is over and you guys don't have to worry about that. But there were a lot of weird things. Like when people said that this was going to be as important as the live actions, I was like, my eyebrows did raise. I'm like, how are you going to do that? When Strange is casting the spells to explain to them about the <laughs> Infinity Smasher, there's those three rings again. And this is the fourth time we've gotten multiple rings stacked up on top of each other in like a six month period. So I'm like, oh, Lord, what's what's going to happen? I I was very, very excited to see. I'm like, oh, boy, the multiverse is going to be a thing. Um, yeah. I enjoy seeing all the characters together. I enjoy the fact that Jim has having one of us write something like who all who, raise your hand. You thought Killmonger was going to betray everybody. There you go. There is, all right, there you go. We get that out the way. A lot of the other fun character stuff. Although I am going to ask what was the point of the zombies episode? If the only payoff for it was to just dump a bunch of zombies on top of weird Ultron vision. Like we didn't even get Peter back. I was like, oh, he, the little guy didn't make it. Oh man. Yeah. Well, I, I think that was. I mean, I think that was just to to get the uh, to get Wanda. But yeah. I was hoping in that moment we would get some form of a connection. I guess you get it when Wanda realizes that Vision is under all of that armor, mm-hmm. and then it and and then and then it just and then it just cuts. Yeah. So Jim, what did you think about the episode kind of overall? It it's one of the things where like obviously in these last two episodes you understand why Marvel did what they did in the episodes leading up to it. I but then what happens though is you get rushed moments now in this finale where they only have X amount of, uh, of minutes to, to fill. And they're trying to obviously fill in connections to all these other episodes. That just makes me wish that there was a little bit more interconnectivity into the ongoing narrative before really going from zero to a hundred in like the last three, basically, you know, last two really. And cause there, cause a lot happens in those two episodes that it, you know, those, the last two episodes feel like an Infinity War Endgame kind of scenario that they basically crammed into eight weeks where it took the MCU 10 years. Right. And so so there, there there's these weird like just these little things where they could have expounded a bit more or, or give a bit more gravitas to some of the character moments. I think if they had tried to kind of connect it throughout uh, the, the whole season, Now I'm sure there are reasons why and, and whatever. And like, oh, look. I, not my show. I didn't write it. And I think that everyone who the, the whole creative team did, did a fantastic job, but the last two episodes were the wild ride I was expecting for, uh, uh for this series. And so, um, I, and I think the ending 
you know, I saw a lot of people be like, oh, well, this whole series was a waste. It has no implications on the on the MCU. And that is the furthest thing from it. Like it. Where we previously thought a door was was closed. It is now not it's not even cracked open. It's it's like halfway, basically, <laughs> because. The thing that Dr. Or the sort, you know, the Dr. Strange character does at the end of that movie is now a looming threat. Uh, I hope. Right. Mm-hmm. Because that is a it's a it's a weird MacGuffin kind of thing to have out there just looming for people who may want that kind of Ultron redemption because of what we got in Age of Ultron or or just, you know, I, Arnim Zola's face in uh, in Vision's torso <laughs> is a great visual and, 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 and super and like uh, a really interesting um you know, just like just peace to kind of add that. But, but the idea that strain that there is a strange out there that is powerful enough to create these pocket dimensions that he needs to keep an eye on. Maybe a thing we see coming uh, sooner than we think, right? Like that's, that is like, it's, it's, it is. And that's, and that's what Marvel does best. Those are the things that uh, that kind of seeding, that we will will do. I think it helps set up for what if season two. I think it helps set up for some of the things that we know are going to come in Spider Man and in Doctor Strange, um, which makes this required watching. I also think too, to an extent, you can watch the last two episodes of What If and kind of be totally fine. Like mm-hmm. if you just are okay with the fact that there are going to be other versions of these characters, you know, uh, all put together, it, you know, it. it it's great. And I just want to see live action Jeffrey Wright as the watcher. So that's, so please Marvel, please make that happen. Yep. Completely in agreement there. I, I agree with both of you. Like, I think the episode, the episode had a lot that I liked. I feel like there were elements that were definitely a little bit more rushed than they could have been. I would have taken like half as many jokes from party Thor. If it meant we would have gotten a little bit more of Gamora because Gamora, I wanted more of that version of Gamora. I think that universe, I know that might've been like the episode that was like cut due to COVID or whatever, but I wanted to see more of that universe. And I feel like what we got was just so little, but I think, there were so many elements that were so cool like the visuals in that third act fight when when Captain Carter is on top of Ultron like ripping off the robot helmet to get to Vision inside like that was just such a cool looking shot so many so much of the cinematography was just on another level and I really enjoyed um, Captain Carter and Natasha's dynamic in both universes I think that that was really cool um, I like the BFF of it all because we have to kind of be Disney about it um but I know me and Jamie will probably have a new ship coming out of this episode. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think that this was a really interesting finale. And I think that the, the elements that are kind of at play now, it it will be just be really interesting to see like in season two and in multiverse of madness and wherever, where we can kind of go next. Cause I feel like there's so much potential there. Um, But yeah, do you, do y'all have anything else to add about what if before we take a break? I love that they put Captain Carter in her own version of the Winter Soldier costume because that's my favorite costume of all time. And so uh, I definitely loved seeing that. It was a nice little, nice little nod and Easter egg. And, um, but yeah, no, I mean, look, I think overall this series is a definite mixed bag. Um, And I know there are, uh, folks who you know want to just write off the entire series because of that, and 
And I think that's unfair. I mean, look, we, we've all had our, our criticisms of, of this show. Uh, I'm not saying the show is entirely redeemed in the last two episodes, but the last two episodes to me were a ton of fun to watch way more fun than the other, ep- than the other episodes. I get why they had to do it. I, you know, I just wish there was a different way, but you know, it's, it's a thing where, uh, you know, it, like I said before, the questions that it, that it opens is, has me, has me excited. Aaron, do you have the anything whole, else? Oh. The whole magic side of houses. I, I definitely saw the Nat and her friendship and yell, that's bait. I'm like, okay. Tumblr, t- the days of Tumblr have taught me anything. I'm like, oh, no. Uh, so that was interesting. Um, I guess the weird parts of like the Infinity Stones apparently work outside of their mm-hmm. like yeah, that's universes. A, it's a weird. I don't know. It's a weird thing. Yeah. I think that's, I, I almost wonder if this was written. I don't know if I'm going to say if it was written before Loki, uh, but there's definitely, you know, I think, I think we, we, look, I think we have an opportunity coming up where that's a question we can ask, right? Like what are the rules of the infinity stones? And we'll see if, see if we get one. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean like that, that, that was a, we knew, I guess, like, you know, I guess we knew that they obviously work differently in other uh, in other universes and maybe they don't work in the TVA because no magic works in the TVA. But it, if, if that's the case, then I feel like Ultron jumping from multiverse to multiverse and just basically, you know, having superpowers everywhere also doesn't necessarily line up. And so that's a, that, that is a very big question to ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like that like Marvel doesn't raise a question that big and not answer it at some point. So I feel like we will eventually get all of that kind of figured out. But, um, I mean, what, a way, what a way to put the Infinity Stones back in play. No I mean, kidding. We, we, yeah, we thought that they were gone and nope, they're here. Yeah, we thought they were paperweights and now we suddenly care about them again. Um, and if you if you want more what if discussion, we might have guests on the show next week that might be tied to what if. Um, I think the details are still being ironed out. But if mm-hmm. you stay tuned to the phase zero Twitter account, we will provide updates as they come about. Um, but yeah, uh, we're going to take a quick break. And after that, you will get to see Brandon's interview with Venom Let There Be Carnage director Andy Serkis. Um, so stay tuned. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Right now... 
I'm joined by an epic special guest. He is one of the most talented filmmakers and actors on the planet. Uh, you know, uh, you may know him as Caesar from Planet of the Apes, Gollum from, from Lord of the Rings, Ulysses Claw from Avengers Age of Ultron and Black Panther, or as Richard Nealon from the hit film 13 Going on 30, underrated gem. <laughs> the director of Let Venom Let There Be Carnage, Mr. Andy Serkis. Andy, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Well, Richard Nealon, yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you're getting a lot of questions about the 13 going on 30 sequel all day. You know what I mean? You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the show, man. Congrats on Venom. Let there be carnage. The fans are loving it. Uh, and it's been super fun to see everybody's reactions. Uh, so I want to start for you kind of at the beginning, because this isn't your first Marvel venture. You know what I mean? You were claw on screen in a pair of Marvel studios films, and then you go sure. behind the camera for Venom, Let There Be Carnage. What what has the experience been like behind the camera for a Marvel film? I mean, it's been it's been extraordinary, really, from the word go. I, I love the Marvel family. They're such a great. They're so intelligent the way they put their films together, and you know, the, the, the this has has been no exception. The way that they've worked with Sony on this has been has been great. And uh, so, I mean, this all started to go right back to the beginning. This all started prior to the first Venom movie, in fact, with Tom Hardy calling me and saying, "Look, Andy, I'm I'm going to be doing this uh, character in a, in a in a Marvel picture, and it's a CG character." Character and I'm thinking, you know, might be using performance capture. Can I come down to your facility and, and do some work with you? And I said, yeah, sure, come down and we will experiment and, and try some stuff out. Anyway, he didn't. I didn't hear anything more from him. Venom 1 came out. It was a huge success. I loved his performance in it. And then a couple of years later, you know, when they were looking, obviously looking for the, for the someone to helm the second movie, Tom rings me up and he says... Andy, look, we're thinking about who's going to direct the second movie, and and we we all would love to, to for you to chuck your hat in the ring. So, so I mean, I was Tom and I have wanted to work together for years. As I've really respected him as an actor for all of the things that he's done. He's the, one of the most fearless kind of, uh, you know brilliant physical uh you know embodying actors transformative actors and 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 so and i think also we have a very similar sensibility in terms of the choice the choices that we make with characters that we like to play so 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 it felt it felt like a really really great ma match and then i read the script that kelly marcel had written and tom had been part of the story uh, creation with um and it, it was it, yeah it was a, it was a, it was a joy to come on board and, and it's been a, a fantastic experience the whole thing I love how that comes together. It's cool that I didn't know you guys uh, had those conversations that long ago. I also yeah. like I noticed, you know, Woody's involved and you worked with Woody Harrelson on the Planet of the Apes films. Did that help convince you at all? Oh, of course. I mean, I, <laughs> Woody is is one of those extraordinary actors. There is, you know, he's just a brilliant human being, first and foremost, and an exceptional actor who is able to. He, he, he's able to play the darkness of Cletus Cassidy and yet play vulnerability and humor in equal measure and completely entrance you with that. And, and so it was, it was, I knew it was going to be a, a special ride working with him again. I mean, obviously I'd, like you say, I'd work with him on the apes movies and, and, and looking into his eyes as Caesar and, and the character that he was playing in that, you know, we, we, we became quite good friends and and so it was it was lovely to be able to to to, to, to you know to take that further and in, into this movie so it was wonderful yeah. yeah so so the first one you met i mean the first venom movie was a huge success fans loved it uh it, it made a bunch of money but it clearly warranted a sequel what did you look at from the first one and decide like these are the things i want to keep these are the things i want to do more of or you know on the contrary what were some things you were like maybe we could do without that like how did you kind of look at that and make decisions that informed your your sequel 
Well, first, first off, I, I love the first movie, and I loved the choices that that, that um, Ruben Fleischer had made, and I think he, he you know, that the, the kind of the setting up of the origin story was done really well and expertly. And I think it, it's kind of interesting. One of the big challenges was for this second movie was tonally, where do we want to go? I mean, obviously, we're, we're dropping in at a, a very, you know, at a different stage of the evolution of the relationship between Eddie and Venom, but it's like that could go in so many different ways. But what was you? universally liked and if you could pinpoint one moment in the in the first movie i think that, that we all thought was the touchstone moment that represented the the flavor of, of of this movie it was the lobster tank moment you know everyone loved when when and eddie climbs into a lobster tank he's feeling sick he's hot he's he's panicky he gets into in a middle of a restaurant sits in a lobster tank and cools off and then eats a lobster and it's like that kind of humor which is based in um you know such a dysfunctional character who's going through a tra trauma uh, and the reality of that but that level of slapstick and humor that if you can combine those worlds so that you have real stakes and characters that you really care about and really you know want want and root for um but at the same time you can then go way way up into into you know with, with take take the humor and the comedy as far as you can without breaking it and making it feel sort of self you know commenting on itself where you don't really care about the characters anymore you know that that was always the the the, the challenge for this so that was that was one that was one part obviously i was stepping into the situation when like i say where you've now you're two years down the line they've been living on top of each other it is the seven year itch or the odd couple phase of the relationship and they're driving each other insane they can't live with or without each other um but then but then so that, that that was that was a great thing to unpack and explore, but but then we had the the, the you know the intervention from the greatest nemesis character in the, in the from Marvel comics as far as I can see, which is Carnage, you know, and so to devise that character, help devise that character, kind of. Sort of visually bring that character to life, um, change the palette of the movie, and also the ratio, the aspect ratio. We made, you know, we I wanted a much taller frame, so so to, so that you could, when the two symbiotes come to fight each other, you know, you, that they there was space for them to do that. Um, but but crucially, the color of Carnage and the palette of the, of the movie was very much more, I wanted it to be more saturated. And, and this is a big discussion that I had with Bob Richardson, amazing, amazing Academy Award winning DOP and very good friend of mine, Bob Richardson, who, who, who we talked a lot about, you know, how we expand this movie and give it all of its um, tones and colors and, and flavor, uh, keeping it real by making the symbiotes feel they were really, really embedded into the environments. But primarily, the colour was driven by the colour of carnage and the bright red that was going to be going through this movie. I really wanted to, you know, to make that believable. I wanted everything else to, to, to up. Kind of, so the first the first film's quite uh, monochromatic, really. It's quite you know dark and gritty and quite, quite monotone in many ways. And this, so this, I, I really wanted to bring color into it and let that play with with all of the other tones of the movie. Dude, I could listen to your process on these decisions like all day long. I find this stuff to be so interesting. And I love how thorough you are and how thoughtful you are in those. Just in just in the color selection, I can imagine we're going to talk about a lot more than that. But uh, I just find it so, so satisfying to hear you talk about these details like that. Um, and, and Carnage, of course, you know, Spider-Man and Venom villain for, for decades now. He's been an Avengers level threat. Uh, he's been killed. He's been revived. He's been turned into a hero. And I think it was the Axis uh, comic. Uh, he's been everything from comics to games to animation. Was there any one specific thing that, that that stood out to you that you were like this is the part of carnage that i want to make sure we capture 
Yeah, it was it was really the the physicality and the difference in physicality between Venom and Carnage. So so that that there's nothing straight about everything is off kilter. It's very idiosyncratic, reflecting the sort of strange, twisted nature of Cletus Cassidy and amplifying that through his symbiote. I want it, you know, it's like there's no there's no straightforward blow. It's it's the, the whole way he moves. It, there's no sort of bipedal walk, really very little. There's a little bit, but not much bipedal walking of this character. He moves by by using tendrils. He can transform. He's a shapeshifter. He he weaponizes and and uh, you know uses these. He's, he's kind of much more like a creature um, that 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 can yeah can literally shift his shape and turn into mist he can change his whole molecular structure and turn into whirlwinds turn into you know all of these different things and that was that was and so we went through and i went through specifically lots of panels from all of the comics to break that down and see see you know where you can go where we wanted to go with with that and then worked very closely with our amazing visual effects team uh, headed up by Sheena Dougal, who, who, you know, and then really kind of forensically went into how does the musculature work? What is the, what is the flesh kind of density? It's kind of, it feels like it's a combination of tough kind of crab-like shell on the outside and then soft sinewy sort of uh, membrane, uh, you know, which, which, which can be kind of glutinous and sort of, I mean, you know, we went into a lot of detail and a lot, looked at lots of reference to, to bring, to bring him to life in a, in a, in a real and and frightening and sort of uh, yeah as I say kind of amplifying the twisted nature of Cassidy's uh, serial killer uh, being. He looked Carnage looked awesome. I got it. Like Carnage looked so good. So you guys nailed it on that. Uh, and also, I mean, if everybody listening, we are talking spoilers. And this next question is very much a big spoiler question. So if you haven't seen Venom, let there be Carnage yet. You're going to want to come back to the show after you've seen the movie. Highly recommend going to see the movie. Uh, but we're here. We go. Speaking of bringing Carnage to life, we also kill him. You know what I mean? And it's so it's uh, it's it's funny to see the moment where Venom says what he said. I'm going to address that line next, but I want to hear first about the decision to to have uh, Cletus and Carnage killed off. Uh, like I know I know those decisions can't be easy to make. They can't no, especially no when you've got someone as Titanic as Woody Harrelson playing a <laughs> Titanic character like Carnage. That it's not it's not easy. I mean. The, the fact of the matter is, I always like to think there might just be that little bit of symbiote that didn't quite get uh, devoured by Venom and uh, that could be hanging around, you know, in, in some baptismal font in the church that, that that's just sort of swimming around that that, that could uh, somehow come back to life. I always say, no, you know, no one ever dies, really. I'm and they ripped, hoping, in the comics, I'm, they still, I'm still hoping Ulysses Claw is going to come back, for God's sake. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you. Ulysses Claw is a gem in the MCU. We need you back. He was, listen, he's killed off screen. I'll say it a million times over until I see him killed on screen. I, I, I believe you can come back. But, but it, you know, Veta, uh, Carnage has been killed and ripped in half in like space and left there and then still came back. So anything's possible. It's, you know, Correct. it's comic book movie world um but also you 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 use the f word in that scene which is very rare for a marvel movie and i feel like that is a, a, almost equally tough to pull off <laughs> you know what kind of hoops do you have to jump through to get to get venom to use, to use that language well, you know, the, the, you're allowed. The, the the authorities allow you to 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 have for PG thirteen. You're allowed to have one f bomb word, and uh, so 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 we that's where we <laughs> used it. We saved it for that for that particular moment. Um, I think 
uh, you know, hopefully people will enjoy it. Um, but, you know, we, uh, but just in terms of that, just sort of talking about ratings, you know, I, I know there, there were lots of calls for this film to be more R-rated and for Carnage to be an R-rated character. And I think what we've done in this movie is actually, it, it is dark, darkly themed. And actually the, the character of Carnage is, is pretty violent, but, but you, Hopefully, you want this to be seen by a wide audience. You don't want to be exclusive, and you want it to be, you know, loved by lots of people. So, so you push it as far as you can, and I do think we've pushed the limits. So, so it feels like it's a lot older and, and darker than than perhaps it is. And although it, it still adheres to all of the rules, so so we, we, you know, I think I think it does feel threatening and menacing and and scary at times, and uh, and and feels physically real and threat, you know, and and dark. So, so I do I do think. In terms of ratings, I think we have pushed the boundaries. Oh, I, I think so. I think it's stuck a tongue down a dude's throat in a prison cell. I don't think that's uh, something you see every day. Uh, it, I, I do love the, the Eddie and Venom breakup scene had me rolling, man. That was so funny uh, when they were tearing the apartment apart and Venom then goes and tears the motorcycle apart. Like, I thought that was hilarious. I love you. Did you like look at it? Was there any kind of rom-com inspiration uh, to, to bring their relationship in that scene together? Uh, did, did you look at anything else for that? Well, you know, it is a sort of uh, we were riffing on the, uh, those tropes, you know. So, so for sure, the, you having the scene where we we just thought it'd be fun to to have the scene where all the clothes get thrown out of the window, you know, and uh, you know, this is my house, and uh, you know, it, in countless movies, you know, we were referencing that, of course. But this between a symbiote and uh, you know a, a very narcissistic, screwed up, dysfunctional human being. So <laughs> it's. And that grew actually. That really evolved throughout on the page when we first started working on that. That that really started sort of. That is one of the scenes that really did evolve into this big, big, big set piece that was originally a one line of kind of you know Venom slaps Eddie or something like that, and then it literally grew and grew and grew. We we realised there was there was lots of fertile ground for for humour and and actually it was important that it, that it had reached this cataclysmic moment where they they can't be together you know and yeah so there was fun in that that was a lot of fun and then that leads to venom at the rave and i want to know like technically that had to be one of the most difficult vfx shots i i'm i'm guessing i, I don't know but you light up venom in this setting with the glow sticks and everything and i'm like how that couldn't have been easy i would love to hear about you know did you have somebody like in a, on stilts you know to get the light down how did you like bring that to life well, look, this is this is where we have the most incredible CG team working. And as I say, the b most brilliant visual effects supervisor, Sheena Dougal, who's an expert in she really understands light and integration to your point. And Bob Richardson, you know, so the combination of of lighting it well. And there were we did have some we did actually have a physical person on set um, uh, who was who was who was there to be Venom. And a really tall guy, and 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 on top of his shoulders, he wore that he wore a, 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 a actual fantastically realistic, reflective um, in terms of the the sliminess of venom, like a like a, a hairpiece that which which took his height to the right height of venom, which is seven. Listen, if you guys nine. need if you guys need a house for that thing, I'll give you my like. Just send me the uh, venom, okay. and I'll, it'll be on the display <laughs> right here behind me. But sorry, go go ahead. Okay. <laughs> 
but that was that was the lighting reference and then we were able to dra- to drape it in in glow sticks to, to you know so that we could get the the, the, the real light reflecting ah, on, yeah. on onto the things that surrounded um but then then it all gets taken into cg world and and uh put together you know but 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 that was again one of one of the big ambitions was to shoot venom and carnage uh so that we weren't you know they're quite um i always say that they're sort of quite unforgiving in their in their designs as comic book characters because they're so larger than life it's not like any other cg character in a way um that the, the, their colors and their scale and their size and their big mouths and the and the eyes that you know to get expression they really had to act they really had to act in this movie and 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 so with with bob um we, you know I, I we had a lot of discussions about shooting very shallow focus so that they've so the drop you know the, the, the drop-off was 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 you know, felt intentional and that, and that you weren't just celebrating these CG characters when they came, you know, like, you hey, know, I'm a CG character, you know, when, it, when they come on, that they really blended into the environments. Um, and that, that was that was something I was very, that we were all very mindful of. Yeah, I, I do want to talk about some of the uh, teases that you leave for possible future stories, starting with uh, Patrick Mulligan and his eyes kind of lighting up when he whispers monsters. We know, you know, comic fans know he might go on to become Toxin. Uh, is that kind of yeah. like, is that uh, like, you know, when you when you put that tease in there, is that with hope of a Venom 3 that you can do a story like that? It, like, what kind of stuff are you thinking about when you drop that in there? A hundred percent. I mean, it's, you know, we, I, I, I think there's so much potential in this, in the, in the Venomverse. Um, for for really interesting journeys before you know the the kind of the inevitable happens, which uh, which hopefully if we if there are any more movies and people go to the cinemas, please people go into the cinemas, please um, you know um, and 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 have the confidence to go back because it's you know these fan screens that we've been having have been have been amazing actually just seeing people back in the cinemas has been incredible. Um, so so yeah, I mean I think if the appetite's there, I do think there's a wealth of of uh, of stories that could possibly even happen before before you get anywhere near the inevitable i'm not even going to say it <laughs> well I, I think that might lead me to my my next question i got to talk about these posts this post credit scene uh and i mean the reactions to this post credit scene has been insane people are losing their minds it's it, it is as uh, as tom hardy put it when i spoke to him about um venom and spider-man in our interview he said uh uh, wish fulfillment, I think, is it what he what he called it? <laughs> yeah. uh, so, yeah. listen, I first want to hear, you know, your perspective of what happens in that scene with the hotel room. Like, you know, what what was kind of the direction you know you wanted to take it? Like, how would you describe that scene? It's it's basically you, we wanted to leave the the audience um, knowing that they are that they are you know that, that these universes are going to somehow collide and we we wanted to do it in such a way that uh it, it still leaves so much open and we're not timing anything we're not you know the way of timing tying them together meant that there's still potential for you know they're, they're literally the portal is not being crossed fully but it's 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 opening up more questions i suppose rather than 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 so firmly saying i mean that was that was the that was the intention of it to uh, to 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 to, to, it is a tease it's a tease in the fullest sense of the word it's a really good tease it's a really good tease (laughs) and I'm, i'm so curious because i know like when you start when you become part of this big puzzle and these things all fit together one thing leads to the next you have to collaborate uh like the room changing, like when you kind of have to develop the look of how the room is going to change. 
Did you have to collaborate with other people as such moments may happen for other characters in the future? Like as like the multiverse blows open in all of these different franchises, like was there a collaboration? Was there kind of directors and producers working together to make sure things match? Those? Yeah. I mean, there's certainly lots of discussion about exactly, you know, what, what material, what material can be shown. Um, you know, it was, a, it was, there was a lot of fine detail discussion involved in that for sure. Definitely. Yeah. And so in theory, then Eddie and Venom could go have another adventure somewhere else and then they could come back for Venom three in this universe we've been following and like just kind of continue on. Right. I mean, that's how that's the multiverse, right. Is in your opinion, is that how the multiverse yeah. works? I think. No, no, exactly. Exactly that. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. That's cool. I, listen, people are fired up about that. So I, I think that's uh, you guys, you guys knocked it out of the park on that, on that credit scene. Um, I do. I want to go back to, to, to carnage and or not carnage venom and Eddie's relationship, because sure. in comics, this is a relationship that they actually have a little symbiote baby together. And in this movie, they kind of, you know, I think they make the, they make the reference to it that they have their first child here in carnage by accident, because, uh, you know, that is a product of, of venom. Uh, did you ever like, was that kind of like a wink and a nod or do you think that that's something that you could still do in the future? Oh, no, no, it, it was definitely, I mean, I think, I think that's, we were definitely out there saying that, you know, it, it, you know, it is, it is, you know, the fact of the matter, and that go, this goes back to sort of venom wanting, <laughs> you know, he actually really loves Anne. He really is fond of Anne and he wants them to get back together because he, he wants his bloodline to continue, you know, so it's, 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 uh, you know, he's, he's, he's thinking two, three, four, so yeah, 10 steps ahead of the game. Venom is, um, but no, we, we really, we, I love, I, I really love the, the notion that carnage is, you know, the spawn of, of, um, the spawn of venom and uh and and we really wanted to you know this is there is a lot more fertile ground to be had there i think oh yeah listen if fatherhood was easy everybody would do it you know what i mean like, yeah. <laughs> sometimes you raise a carnage yeah. <laughs> I, I also want to talk about shriek uh and shriek in comics is a mutant character um and we kind i think we kind of told them i don't know like how rights and all that stuff falls on on these things in movies but you get to use you know shriek in a lot of ways that there are that that or her character from comics in the film. Um, was there any kind of like limitation on what you could or couldn't do because of the mutant aspect of Shriek? Well, we, we were very keen to kind of locate her in, you know, as, as she is in the comics, you know, go, go into her background. I think that was the, that was the root because really when you look thematically at what our movie's about, it's a lot to do with this, the dysfunctionality of early childhood and, and, and being brought and being brought up in a, in a less than, you know, loving environment and so you know there's there's eddie's relate you know eddie is responsible for the relationship you know for his mother died on, on on giving birth you know giving birth to him so that that sets up the relationship with him and his father that's the con the connection that cletus has with him in terms of his terrible upbringing the brutalization of him as a as a as a, as a young child and the same with um shriek you know she's she's bullied and and ostracized and made to feel worthless and become in in the comics she's a drug addict and you know so it's 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 it, it, it's it's it was important for us to to set up that the ground rules of all of those characters as real emotions and and you know real journeys that then you can springboard off and go into the humor or all of the other stuff but but to have all of those ground rules truly reflect the comic what what's in the comics was 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 very important when when kelly and tom were, were writing the script 
So if 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 uh, Sony were Sony and Marvel were to say we love it, we want to go with Venom three. How long will it take you to bring it to the world? How much time do you need uh, from the from the jump to to, to delivery? Well, this one to well, when, when I mean they they started working on this pretty much immediately as Venom one came out and it was a, a success. So that's I mean I think that the thing is they've I think Kelly and Tom have been thinking about what is the next stage of the journey anyway. They would have thought of they would have had some plans uh, for where they could possibly go after this. Um, so I, so I I, I I mean it's yet to be formalized, but I know that they've they've had they've certainly had discussions about where it right goes right right. Well, you've, got, you've got to when you when you when you're going into you know a franchise you've got you've got to think about the arc you know of course you can't you, you can't think about them just individually oh yeah and i know us fans we appreciate when you plant those seeds you know we those are the things that we pick up on that we're like oh i, I want to see this grow i want to see this blossom things like right. that so and you guys did that really nicely and i mean a couple other things i want to talk to you about before i let you go i love dude i, I mentioned earlier i love your portrayal of claw uh, I, I think Claw of the MCU is one of my favorite villains Marvel Studios has ever delivered. I wish we had more oh, wow. of him. Dude, he's so good. You're so energized in that role. And uh, you brought it back for What If recently. Uh, how was it? How was it slipping back into the character for a voice role? It, it, it was. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of. Well, it's it's kind of interesting seeing it in a different format. You know, it's really uh, it, it, it kind of I love it. I mean, I think I think it looks I think it looks really great in that world. It looks really really cool. Yeah, uh, I, I hope that one way or another the multiverse allows us to see you as that character uh, more and more. And uh, so. dude, you're you're just one of the most talented people. I, I've you know I remember watching kind of your lessons on how to. Uh, how to do the Gollum voice. I think it was on one of the tonight shows or, or Jimmy Kimmel live or something. I was just like, man, he makes it look so easy. That stuff's incredible, dude. So watching you bring that character to life and, and bring this movie to life. And next, uh, one of the next movies we're going to see you bring to life is, is Alfred in the Batman. Uh, and I, I'm sure you can't say much about that, but you know, how, how has that experience been to you? What you have, you've been a part of all these franchises, dude, you're just collecting them like infinity stones. <laughs> I feel so blessed. I mean, I feel so lucky to have, to have been able to play in all of these amazing, you know, in all these worlds. It's, it's, I don't know. I never, I never ever thought that I would be in this position where, 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 where I've, I've been able to play kind of such, I suppose, you know, different characters and, go, you know, go into the worlds and uh, exist in these different, uh, it's, a, it is, it's been an extraordinary journey so far and hopefully it'll continue. And I'm enjoying doing more, more you know, I'm, I'm loving directing and I want to do much, much more of that. So, so a combination of, of, of acting and directing for sure. I'm not going to stop acting, but I, but I, I'm really enjoying this, this, this part of the journey at the moment, sort of bringing, you know, working with so many talented people and, and, and bringing these stories together. Getting to bring your vision, I bet is really fulfilling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I do. I do have an Alfred question for you. You know, you're Alfred. This is a character that we've, we've, we've seen iterations of in the past, all very different. We've had Jeremy Irons, who's like super hands-on. You have Michael Caine, who uh, is a mentor early on and kind of stays behind the scenes. How, do, how does your Alfred stack up? What do you, what did you, what kind of originality did you bring to it? Uh, well, I can't, I, I, I Look, in all honesty, I can't talk about I can't talk about it. But what I will say is that I know that Matt Reeves's film is going to be an extraordinary version of the Batman. I mean, it really is. He is he's such a, an incredible filmmaker, and I know that he has worked so long and hard. And it, it's going to be. It, I think it's going to blow people away. I really do, and I, I I really don't want to spoil it for anybody. But that's totally know, fair. 
I respect it because that, that ends up being the headline everywhere. If you say anything about it and, and I respect you, you know, playing it safe. So last thing for you, if Spider-Man and Venom collide, who you got? <laughs> uh, look, I, I, I think it's going to be messy, whichever way, uh, whichever way it turns out. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I would hate, I, I fear for Spider-Man, quite frankly. Uh, listen, I do fear for him. I just saw I just saw Venom take down Carnage. That's no easy feat. So Spidey, I saw, and I also saw Tom talking about he's got his little Spidey legs hanging out of his mouth. Tom wants to eat Spider Man. I know, I know. Listen, Andy, it is an absolute privilege to speak with you. Thank you so much for coming on, uh, and and congrats on the movie, man. It's a lot of fun. Oh, thanks, man. I'm glad I'm glad you enjoyed it. All right, listen, uh, I look forward to seeing you again sometime. Look forward to it. Thank you. All right. 